0: Hi, my name is Michael Sano. I'm Jewish, and I love Israel. So if you love Israel, if you love being Jewish, or if you have an unwavering connection to the land of Israel, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? My name is Michael Sano, and welcome 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 to the 12 cities in israel podcast the only positive podcast about the people the food and the culture of the state of israel hey listen if this is your first time watching please hit the like button the subscribe button and the notification bell and if you'd like to take this video with you you can find us on uh, soundcloud itunes google play stitcher tune in or on spotify and on spotify so um yeah if you want to take us with you if you want to go jogging to the gym ride in your car and listen to my amazing voice please do that soundcloud itunes google play stitcher tune in and on spotify um got that twice it was the and or or i think it got me a little confused um all right also this uh this podcast is brought to you by the 12 cities in israel modern hebrew flashcards these are my flashcards these are our flashcards they right now we have the aleph bet set you can find it on amazon for your kindle um and we will talk more about that at the end of the episode all right welcome back welcome back welcome back this is episode uh this is part two of the 'er bereshev episode and um, I ended last episode talking about up until independence. So I had covered all the way back to Abraham and Abimelech and the well and how Abraham and and Isaac both had to uh, make agreements, oaths, um, with Abimelech uh, to have rights to water in the area, which goes all the way now to modern what would be modern day Israel so when I say modern I'm talking about the modern history up until now and uh so yeah so where did we leave off we left off at the war for independence so what happened um David Ben-Gurion announced to the world uh Israel declares its independence the surrounding states attacked one of those states was Egypt and Egypt had a foothold and had moved into. Are you ready for this? They had moved into Beresheva. So at the end of last episode, I gave some demographics how there had been Jewish families in uh, in Beresheva, um, Ottoman up until the mandate, and I think the numbers were 80 families, and then the next census was 11 or 80 individuals, then the next census was 11 individuals, and then it was zero. Well, David Ben-Gurion wasn't about this. He had a problem with this. Um, And him and a general, what's his name? I think it's Yoav. Yoav Alon, who was the former commander of the Palmach and general of the IDF. Uh, They decided with uh, Operation... Bum, bum, bum. Hold on, because this was a big part of it, and I feel like I should be a little more prepared. Uh, <laughs> Operation Yoav. So part of that Operation Yo- Yoav was to, to capture um, Sheva with the intention of bringing it into the state of Israel. Um, Ben-Gurion and most Jews in former, um, the former Palestine mandate uh recognized the connection the Be'er sheva the biblical connection that it had and wanted it very much so to be a part of the state now originally it was going to be a part of the state that's the funky part so originally in the partition plan the original uh proposal had Be'er sheva in the partition plan uh so in the Israel portion of um the 1947 partition plan but what happened was Egypt had been moving troops into the area and the, and they had lobbied the ad hoc committee, the committee that came after and said, we have troops there. That's like tactically and strategically. And they bought it. And uh, so it was removed. Ooh, swindle. Well, that swindle was rectified. And I think it was, it was ridiculous. I think it, the attack started There was bombing on the 19th of 1948, October, October 19th. Let me look. The bombing started on, yes, October 19th, 1948. How do I remember that? Um, And they started shelling Egyptian positions. um, And then uh, on the 21st, the ground forces moved in and they moved in so fast that it overwhelmed Egyptian positions. Most of them were in shock and just fled. Um, And they were captured. They were interred until the end of the war and then released. um, A number of residents, I didn't know this, a number of residents supported the Egyptian forces and even fought against the Israelis. And as such, they were deemed, um, I guess they were deemed a security risk. And uh, a number of families were deported to Transjordan and to, um, to Gaza. Now, there is this big narrative that the majority of the Arabs were expelled from Beersheba. And that is not true. and it, uh, It's 100% not true. And I'm going to tell you, anyone who thinks that has never been to Beersheba. Because it is one of the Israeli cities that I have noticed that has a considerable Arab population. If you are in the shopping and transportation centers, if you are over by the university, all over the place, there are Arabs everywhere. And it's is—it's weird because I couldn't imagine the city being without Arabs. Um, It adds a flavor and a dynamic um, that just makes Be'er Sheva what it is. It wouldn't be what it was without the Arab population. They bring a lot to the table. So there. My wife even mentioned it. My wife even commented when we were there. Uh, I go every year, but my wife was there two years ago. We had to go to a... Uh, we went to a wedding. We didn't have to go. We wanted to go. Um, and uh, she was like, "I. this is... It, there's so many Arabs. And I was like, yeah, it's it's... So... One of the things that is amazing about better and why, um, it breaks the narrative is because it has one of the oldest markets and it's the Bedouin market and this Bedouin market, you can buy camels. It's still totally, you can buy camels, sheep, goat, chickens, all that stuff, uh, goats. Um, and it has been here and some say it's been there for over a thousand years. Now, after the war, there was an exclusion zone put into place, but that was for security um, reasons and that security zone over time was lifted and people were allowed to go back to where they needed to go to within um, within the what is it the structures of the security that Israel the dictates the security dictates and mandates that they had decided were the best. is it good for everyone? No, nine times out of 10, it's not going to be good for everyone, but it was the best that they could do in order to maintain security. So point is, <coughs> Bersheva is a bustling multicultural city that you have to see. Now, um, after the war, the I think the town had 10,000, do I have this number right? Um, well, after the war, the uh, 1949 armistice agreement with all the nations surrounding all the nations that attacked, um, place Bersheva within the borders of Israel. So boom, any haters, any person who's got a dispute there, it's settled. Okay. So Bersheva is part of Israel. Um, sorry. Uh, I'm not sorry. I'm sorry if I hurt someone's feelings or upset them about it. So, um, what happened after that though, is that this wave of immigration came in. They had, so part of the expulsion, um, so that I'm talking about part after independence, um, a, there was an expulsion. This expulsion happened in a lot of Arab countries and countries like Yemen, uh, uh, Persia, uh, Iran, Iraq, Syria, Egypt, they expelled all of their Jews. Um, the vast majority of their Jews had to leave the country um, and came to Israel. So there was this mass influx of Jews from Arab countries, Mizraki and Sephardic Jews. And that added to the swelling of the population of beresheba and it's why there are so many um well th- there's a, a large moroccan community which i am honored to be a part of um what up moti um and there's also well let me go through this hold on so as of today beresheba has 200 and uh, approximately 210,000 people. Let me take a sip of coffee, hold on. So let's contrast this with 1956 where Bersheva had 22,000. Now, I don't know if you guys watched the last video, but 2,500 was the population um, at the end of the mandate. I think 2,500, 2,700 the population of Be'er had 2,700. In 1956, it had 20, 22,000 people. In 1968, the population grew to 80,000 people. Um, in 1960, though, before that, Soroka Hospital was established. And it is awesome. It's one of the preeminent uh, medical centers in Israel. And it is the Israel, uh, uh, it is the medical center for the negative so and it's pretty awesome and they have a lot of relationships with ben Gurion university uh what up um i went there for two uh ulpans so it's really close to my heart can i call it if i went there for two ulpans is it my alma mater i don't know maybe um so in 1969 is when the university of the Negev, which later became Ben-Gurion university of the Negev that was established. And there's a funny story about that. So one of my close friends, Malkara Eisner, she is the, I, I don't know if I get this right. Every time she is the international liaison for the city of Beersheba. She's amazing. She's a sweetheart. She is awesome. And, uh, it, her sister, she moved to Beresheva because her sister made Aliyah from the U.S. to Beresheva, And she worked, when she walked to work, when her sister walked to work, her sister worked at ben University. She used to walk on dirt roads. And uh, they hadn't even paved the roads yet. So these are real, people who lived in Bersheva up until up until probably the 70s, could still be considered um, Chalutzim, pioneers. So there's this, uh, for those of you who don't know, people who think about Aliyah, we think about the people who moved um, in the early days and set up the Kibbutzim, and they're mythologized, and it's pretty cool um from my perspective and from a lot of people's perspective but you could there was still that pioneer spirit in moving to the south and i i gotta be honest it's still the buildings and all of it it's you could still feel it so yes um a friend of mine's sister walked on dirt roads to go to work every day. How cool? Well, it wasn't cool probably for her at the time and it was hot. So, um, sorry. So what did I say? I said in 1968, the population had grown to 80,000 and in 1983, it was all the way up to 110,000. So just prior to 1983, something really cool happened in 1979, Egyptian President um, Anwar Sadat, may he rest in peace, um, visited Beersheba. So here you have an amazing turn of events. You had Egyptian forces that Israel fought against um, and the forgiveness it must have taken to honor and welcome Egyptian President Anwar Sadat. I just, I'm moved by that. And that's why I don't like that narrative I was talking about in the beginning. Um, I'm not feeling it. It's it's such a, it, it is such a warm, inclusive place. So um, during the 1990s, there was the post-Soviet aliyah. So there were two aliyahs from um, movements, immigrations from different countries. And to bring Jews back to Israel. And one of them occurred in the 80s. And that was when Natan Sharansky, who was eventually became the head of the Jewish agency, um, he was imprisoned in Siberia. Um, he was a, I don't know, he was a cultural activist. Um, because he was proud of being Jewish. And he loved being Jewish, and he, he, he advocated for being Jewish, and our traditions, and our, our all of it. And uh, he was jailed for it. And this was at the time of the Soviet Union. And finally, um, a bunch of uh, Western nations lobbied for their allowance to make Aliyah, and they all came over to Israel, and one of the places that these new immigrants came to was Beersheba. Also, after World War, uh, after the Cold War, when the Soviet Union fell, um, boom, a bunch more um, Russian immigrants came to Beersheba. So you can hear so many different languages. And before I go into that, I have to tell you about another group that made Aliyah, and decided to make Bersheva their home. And that's the Beta Israel community, the Ethiopian Jews. And they're amazing. I had an opportunity to meet. It's actually kind of a funny quick story. So I was walking back and forth, back and forth every day. I would just go for this walk um, when I was at Pan the first time. And there was this old man, old um, Ethiopian man. And he would sit on this, like... Um, like this barrier. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a chair. It was just like a little low rock wall and he would sit there every day and he was smoking his cigarettes and I'd walk by every day and I'd say, Shalom. And he would not even move a muscle. And every day I would walk by and say, Shalom. And one day I walked by and I said, hello. And he said, hello. And I was, I started talking to him and I would say hi to him every single time. And at, over time, you know, a couple of weeks, um we got to talking as good as we could we communicated as well as we could but but i could feel something and uh i wonder if he still sits there he probably does but my whole point is um warm wonderful group wonderful wonderful group of people um and their traditions are being kept alive in bersheva and i'm going to tell you a little bit about that so um, there are so many things to do in Beersheba. So now we're at present day. We got almost 210,000 people. So still what's there to do? I know what there is to do in Tel Aviv. I know what there is to do in Yerushalayim. I know what there is to do in Haifa. Um, maybe you don't, a lot of people don't know what to do in Haifa, but Anyways, we're not talking about Haifa, we're talking about Sheva. I'm gonna have a sip of coffee. Peter, again, this is for you. All right, so um, first, I have to tell you about how you get there. So you drive down, you drive down through the south and you come down on the highway. You'll probably take the train. But if you ever get the opportunity to drive down, it's amazing because it's wide open. It is wide open. You're, be, you're in the steps, which are low grasslands, and it goes on forever. It goes on as far as the eye can see, and the highway just shoots straight down. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's buildings, and you enter Bershevin. It's this promenade, this boulevard that you go down, and you're like, all of a sudden, there's apartment buildings everywhere, people walking around everywhere, and it's just fabulous. It's amazing. Um. There are two train stations if you want to get there. There is um, Beersheba North, uh, which is a university, or, and Mer- um City Center, Beersheba Center, and it's right next door to the bus station, too, which is uh, amazing. There's this mall in there, and there's um, a McDonald's, which I've eaten in, and it's awesome. But anyways, also, so when you come in, at all roads take you to the center because it's built on this enormous radio plan. Um, for those of you who want to do the tourism things, there is the Abraham Center, the Abraham Center. And let me look real quick. Hold on, because I have the full name of it. It is the... Um, bum, bum, bum... Needy, I have so many notes on this place. Yes, Ber Abraham, the Abraham's Well International Visitor Center. And they have a bunch of exhibits and stuff there. They have, um, so there. <clears throat> there's a dispute. There's a dispute real quick. We're going to talk about the well. So Ber Sheva means uh, one of two things, either um, seven wells or seven oaths And neither one is right. And neither one is wrong. That's the beauty of it. So feel free to say it is this. And don't be mean and don't correct someone if they say it's the other thing. Because it is. Um, so there's a dispute as to whether or not the well is in the old city or it's in this place, Tel Sheva, which is four kilometers, I think, east? Maybe not. Um, but it's four kilometers away. And that is the what is deemed the archaeological site of what would be the biblical Bersheba and the historic site that goes all the way back to Roman times, I'm pretty sure. Yes, I think it's Roman times. Um, Maybe even Persian, I don't know. Um, But there's so many things to do, um, so many cultural things. And one of the most amazing things about all the cultural things to do in Bersheba is they're all tied into the community. So let's say you're a part of a, you go to a museum in Cleveland or Miami or New York. And it says, well, we do arts with the community, blah, 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 blah. All right. So uh, I'm not buying it nine times out of 10, nine times out of 10. It's just an excuse um, to feel good about for individuals who donate to feel good about themselves? In Beresheva, it's totally different. It's not a snooty thing. Um, it, it it literally is has as part of, as part of its mission um, a community component where people are a part of it. All the art centers, there's a couple of them. I'm gonna read off a bunch of them. Um, but one of two of the things um, are friends that I have have been associated or own. Um, one of them is the car um the carmia dance company and a really great friend of mine someone i did an interview with um but i'm also a friend of uh alexandra zaslav she's an amazing dancer um she is trained as a dancer and that is i think it was her first professional gig the carmia um dance company and it is located in Beresheba and they do all kinds of wonderful things. Um, I'm going to put a link for them in the description. The other thing is, uh, Wabi Sabi, uh, studio, which is a, an art studio run by a friend of mine, Hadar Rabinovich, who I also interviewed, I'll put her interview in there too, um, in the, in the, uh, description and she uses her studio um, to directly interact with the community and to help the community explore themselves through art. And it's awesome. And this is basically the theme of um, arts and culture in Beersheba. So we have the Negev Museum of Art, and that is um, the main art museum in southern Israel. Um, one of the things I wanted, it's in a, uh, what was a, officially the residence of the Turkish um, manager or governor no the Turkish governor and it was uh, built in 1906 but they do a lot of stuff Um, they have a lot of art programs and classes and all kinds of stuff you also have the fringe theater which is this it's sort of like a public theater and they also do Uh, workshops, theater workshops, and stuff like that, and they involve people from the community and outreach to the community. It's really great. Um, You have the House of Ethiopian Jewish Arts, and this blows me away. It really does. This is basically... I don't know if this is culturally what it is, but what it was alluding to is that this is for women. And it gave me the impression that Ethiopian women are the primary artistic drivers of their community and they make things right there and they're for sale right there. Um, So that's awesome. That's so cool. So blown away. Um, There is so much. There is also the um, 'er Beersheba theater, which also does, theater outreach. And that's the main theater. That's the big, big, like they'll have major productions. They have a bunch of productions every year. They have an opera, um, operas every year, uh, a couple of them. And it's just, but they also do an outreach component where they have classes and, and stuff like that. And I think actually they're the one, are they the one that does stuff for special needs? Um, let me see, hold on. Well, anyways, there are also a bunch of community outreach programs for special needs that are put on through the arts in Bersheva. And it's just phenomenal. There is so much I could talk about. There is the river park. So most of you who are, who are thinking about it right now are going, Bersheva has a river. Yes, it's actually called the Bersheva River. And that has the en- Enbar-, Enbar Promenade, the Pipes Bridge. The Pipes Bridge is this amazing bridge that um has sails on it and has the sunsets they turn the lights on and the the colors rotate pink orange it's absolutely fabulous it's beautiful there is this enormous amphitheater that holds i think 12,000 people they just built a man-made lake a man-made lake they just built it um and it is an entirely new neighborhood. It's off of the, uh, I think it's off of the Riverwalk. Um, The Old City, speaking of walking, the Old City is entirely walkable. There's all kinds of stuff to do down there. There's the Old Turkish Rail Yard, which also has um, exhibits. It has, uh, what else, it has a restaurant, a ton of stuff. Um, There's the Carraso Children's Museum, which is down in the old city near there. Um, they have open exhibits. They, have, they actually have stuff kids can do, science kids can do hands-on. It's phenomenal. Um, Ben-Gurion University, as I said, is there. They have their hands in everything. They have the medical center. So this is cool. So they have the medical center. Um, they have a medical school that works with Soroka Medical Center, and it is entirely English language. So you could go to medical school in Israel, become a doctor, and boom, there you go. Um, They also work with uh, the Gavyam Tech Park, which is on the other side of the train station from the university. The Gavyam Tech Park has Oracle, um, Lockheed Martin, uh, cause the YF 2030, whatever super fighter is there, um, in the air force base around Bersheva. they, oh, the Bersheva air, there's an air force museum a couple of miles away. You can take a cab to, um, Israeli air force museum. Um, the IDF cyber security unit just moved there. So they're bringing all this interaction with, uh, the world of academia and the world of defense and security and computer technology. Ben-Gurion University is also involved in revitalizing the Negev and water resource management and science. Um, It's just freaking amazing. Beresheva is awesome. If you haven't, and it's up on my screen right now. (laughs) Beresheva is awesome. I love it you need to love it too, be and the best way to love it is by going there so um yeah so that's bettersheva. um and i hope you enjoyed it <laughs> so yeah that's bettersheva in a nutshell i covered the old history i covered the new history and i told you what's there so please go 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 um And, yeah, so that's it. That's it for this episode. Um, If you like this episode, hit the like button, the subscribe button, and the notification bell. Um, Again, if you want to take us with you, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. I told you in the beginning that this episode was brought to you by the 12 Cities in Israel Modern Hebrew Flashcards. Um, Our flashcards are available on Amazon for Kindle. Um, <coughs> right now we have, uh, we have the Aleph set. So you can learn the Aleph Bet in print and in script, um, in a really easy to use format. And I, 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 encourage you to go check it out. It's on Kindle Unlimited too. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can get it for free. If you don't, it only costs 9 dollars um, it's really cheap and it comes with basically two sets of flashcards. We also have the numbers set Israeli numbers or Hebrew numbers so numbers in Hebrew um, that'll be out um, sometime in the next couple of weeks I'm finishing them up right now and uh, I'm releasing some of them on Instagram so check us out uh, you can find them on on all of our social media and that would be on Instagram Facebook and Twitter so yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, hey, thanks for watching this episode and suffering through my joy of Um, And that's it. All right, <laughs> Forgot I had you in my arms, a dream that I didn't dream. Forgot I had you